every Sunday. Let's try this again. Good morning, church. I'm excited to be here, and you guys should be as well. Happy 4th of July to you guys. I hope that you have a restful 4th of July, that you chill, that you grill, do whatever you're doing this weekend. So we're happy to be here. Have you guys ever heard statements like these? Follow your heart. What does your heart desire? Whatever your heart is telling you, do it. Have you guys ever heard things like this? Let me ask you, what do you think of such statements? Do you believe to be true? Do you think that we should follow our hearts, that we should do what our hearts desire, whatever our hearts are telling us? Let me show you what Jeremiah says about our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 reads like this. Pay close attention. The heart, he says, is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand that? Did you catch that? Jeremiah is saying that above all else, our heart is deceitful. Our heart lies to us. It is sick. No one can understand it. Church, for many years, for most of my life, when it came to Christ, I listened to my heart. And my heart was lying to me because my heart was telling me, you don't need God. You've got your own relationship with God. You know who God is. For many years, church, People such as my mom and other people who are believers would tell me, go to church, read your Bible, go to a Bible study. But my heart would say, no, you don't need it. You got this. My heart was made of stone and continuously lying to me. But one day, the Holy Spirit regenerated my heart, softened my heart. And someone shared with me the gospel, and I received it. And I kid you not, on that day I felt this pressure just lifted off of my shoulders. This guilt just released. I could finally breathe. And the moment I got home, I told my wife, I said, CJ, I don't know what I received, but someone shared with me some of the greatest news anyone could ever share with a person. And I said this, I want to get on the rooftop and share with everyone what I just received. And I stand before you, church, because God listened to my prayers. And I'm a pastor because I want as many people to know the truth that I was told. But have you ever noticed that when you share the gospel, when you share God's word with people, some people just reject it. Nah, I don't need that. But have you also noticed that when you share the same message, when you invite the same invitation, some people just get it? Or sometimes you share the good news. You share who Jesus is. And people get excited. And then after a little bit, they just fade away. Ever notice that? Do you wonder why that is? I'll give you the answer. It's their heart. It's a condition of their hearts. Today, we're going to hear from Jesus as he talks about some conditions of our hearts. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to Luke chapter 8. 
We're going to begin in verse 4, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. We do have Bibles on the chair beneath you. We have all the verses on the screen behind me as well. Verse 4 of the Gospel of Luke opens up and says this. And when a great crowd was gathering. Now remember the word of Jesus, who he was, was going around. And many people were coming to see the great miracles he was performing, the great teachings he was teaching. So a lot of people, thousands sometimes, would gather just to hear this great teacher. So it says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable. Today, church, we do begin a new series on the parables, and we've entitled it, What Did Jesus Mean? For the whole month of July, we're going to be talking about different parables that we find in the Gospels. But before we get started with today's message, I want to share with you some of the things of the parables. First of all, I want to tell you what the definition of a parable is, and it literally is a short narrative with a symbolic meaning. That's a parable. Now, in Greek, you pronounce this word parable, parabole. The prefix para literally means to come alongside something. That's where we get a term like paralegal. It's an assistant to the lawyer coming alongside the lawyer to help in cases. Bole literally means just to throw, to scatter. So a parable is a short story that comes along with an illustration to further teach that teaching. Parabole, parable. The other thing, parables was a common way of teaching back then. Pharisees, Jewish leaders were teaching a parable. But what they would teach in a parable would emphasize things that always were revealed to them, things that they already knew, like the Mosaic uh, law. It would further encourage the meaning of the Mosaic law. The difference in Jesus' parable is that his parables reveal something brand new, something that no one ever heard of. And the last thing about parables that I'll share with you this morning is that you don't find any parables in the New Testament except for the ones that Jesus spoke about. There's parables in the old, but not in the new, except for the Gospels, which we'll be going over this month. So now Jesus is going to open up with a parable, and he's going to talk about a sower, And back then, agricultural society was something common. Everybody knew what Jesus was going to talk about. They could relate. And when you go out and sowed a seed, you carry a bag full of seeds, and the sower would go out and just grab the seed and just scatter as much as he or she could all over the soil to capture as much soil with seed as possible. And so in this case, he's going to begin and talk about this such sower. And he's going to talk about four different types of soil and four different outcomes in the sowing. So let's continue. Verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. Four soils, four outcomes. And this first soil that we read about, it's what I call the roadside soil. And if you can imagine, back then there were little pathways and then there was soil. 
and then a pathway and soil. And the sower would walk on the pathway and carefully, as best as he could, would sow the seed. But some of it would fall on this pathway. And this pathway was like concrete. And so the outcome that we just read, what would happen, the birds would come and pick up that seed. Never, ever did that seed have a chance to develop or produce fruit. Jesus goes on and he talks about a second type of soil. Verse 6, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away. Why? Because it had no moisture. This is what I call the rocky soil. Now, this soil was not all full of rock in it. What it meant that this soil was really shallow. And underneath the shallow soil was a limestone, was rock. So when the seed would fall on that shallow soil, moisture wasn't held enough for it to grow its roots. And if it did, it couldn't penetrate through that rock. So what would happen? The sun would come and burn it out. It wither it. And he goes on and he talks about the third soil. Verse 7. And some, he said, fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. This is soil that is full of thorns. And the soil could not hold enough moisture for it, for the seed to mature. And if it started maturing, what would happen, the thorns would come and choke that seed's branches. Again, never having a chance to produce fruit. But finally, Jesus talks about the fourth soil. Verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 8. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. This is the fertile soil. The soil that was clean, prepared, and ready to receive the seed. And this soil, as Jesus says, produced and yielded a hundredfold. This soil, what Jesus is saying, was profitable for the sower. That's what the sower wanted. That should have been the outcome of all seeds, but only one soil produced that outcome. Before I go on, I want to make three observations that are important to this parable. First of all, notice that he, Jesus, doesn't say much about the sower. He just says, this is a sower, your common sower going out and throwing out seeds. The second thing, we don't see anything special about the seed. It's all the same seed, not different seeds, not a different sower. The only thing that is different, if you didn't catch it, was the soil. No big deal about the sower, no big deal about the seed. The soil, the soil made all the difference. Now Jesus, what he's going to do is he's going to conclude the parable and he says this. Verse 8b, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here, what did Jesus mean? What is Jesus saying? Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying, hey, listen, those of you that have these things between your head, orejas, listen to me. That is not what he's saying. He's saying there's going to be some of you that will hear it, hear my words, receive it, and live it. But there's going to be some of you that don't have ears that would just listen to my words and do nothing with it. So Jesus is saying, those who have ears, let him hear. Pay attention. This is important is what Jesus is saying. He goes on in verse 9 and he says this. 
And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. Why? Why are they in parables? So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Did you catch that? Again, what did Jesus mean? What is he saying? Jesus is saying this. Those who the Father chose so they, they can hear and understand my word, a parable will reveal the truths of what I've got to say. For those that their heart is not ready, that my Father has not chosen a parable, what it will do, it will conceal the truth. It will confuse them more. Let me put it another way, maybe a little clearer. Parables reveal certain teachings to those Jesus chose to reveal to. That's one outcome of a parable. The other outcome, parables conceal certain teachings from those Jesus chose to conceal. Now you're probably saying to yourself, man, that's not fair. That's harsh. How could he? Let me remind us, church, that all of us, because of our sin nature, buck against God. Read Romans 1. We, because of our sinful nature, because we have our hearts hardened because of our sin, will exchange the truth for a lie. We are running away from God. Romans 3, no one is good, no, not one. It takes the Holy Spirit to regenerate our hearts, to change our heart of stone into flesh so we can receive God's word. And that's why the prophet Ezekiel says this in Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart because we all need a new heart. Because our heart deceits us. And the new spirit, he says, I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Now Jesus is going to continue with an explanation or his explanation for his parable. And it's a very simple and straightforward explanation. And this is how he starts his explanation. Verse 11, he says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Nothing fancy, nothing complicated. The seed is the good news. The seed is the gospel. The seed is the good news of the kingdom of God. The sower is just one who receives the good news and shares it as much as he can. That's it. The sower is an evangelist who goes out and cheerfully shares the good news of Jesus Christ. And I love what the prophet Isaiah says about sharing God's word in Isaiah 55, 11. He says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. There's a purpose for it is what God is saying. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now Jesus, as he continues... He's going to really just give us the point of the parable. And here is the point. The soil that Jesus is talking about is a picture of the human 
heart. The condition of the human heart. Four different types of soil. Four different types of hearts that are out there when we go and seed the good news of Jesus Christ. Four soils, four hearts. And I'm going to call this first heart the hardened heart. The first condition that Jesus is going to talk about is the hardened heart. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. They hear it, but what happens? The devil comes and takes its seed right away. Church, very sad, but very true. Some people, some people will not receive the word of God. Some people will have a heart of stone. Some people love sin and will stay in their sin nature and will not repent and turn to God. Sad but true. And the reason for it, the reason for that, as we just read, is that they hear the word of God. Someone tells them, but the devil, the devil snatches it from their hearts. How? How does the devil do this? I'm going to share with you three ways that I see common in the devil snatching away God's word in our hearts. The first thing we have to remember is that Satan is the father of all lies. John 8, he will deceive our hearts like he deceived mine. You don't need him. Don't pay attention. You don't need to go to church. He is a father of all lies. What else does he do? He confuses people. There are, unfortunately, as God's word says, wolves in sheep clothing. There are false teachers out there that lead his sheep away, astray, by teaching a false gospel. That's how the enemy snatches away the seeds of some people's heart. And the last way that I see that's very common is that the devil knows that people of darkness and rather stay in that than come to the light. John 3.19. Jesus goes on and speaks of another heart, and I call this the shallow heart. The shallow heart. Verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those when they hear the word, now check this out, they receive it. They receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. For months upon months I would hear my wife, I want you to get those little flowers that they look really pretty. There's purple ones, there's yellow ones, there's white ones. The ones you see at SeaWorld, the ones you see at restaurants. So one day I went out to be the hero and I went to Lowe's and I bought all these different types of little flowers and I put them in front of our tree and they look really, really nice. My wife got home and was like, oh, they look beautiful. And they were beautiful for about a week. See, the reason is there wasn't enough soil in them. I planted them, it was too shallow. In the same way, Jesus is saying this. Some people will receive the good news, and they receive it with joy, but it's more an emotional receiving. There's no faith. They don't truly understand. It's more an emotion, not a devotion. And so they're so excited, they come to church, and like, yes, I'm coming back. And you don't hear from them again. You invite them to come to a small group. I loved it. Two, three weeks later, where did they go? 
people sometimes receive the good news joyfully. But then they run into some temptation and back they fall. Or something, some struggle in their lives comes. And what happens because they didn't have enough faith, they run from God instead of to God. This is the type of soil that Jesus is referring to. I love what one commentator says about this soil. He says this. This represents the emotional hearer who joyfully accepts God's word but does not bear fruit because there was never any real root. Moving on, he talks about what I call the worldly heart. The worldly heart. Verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, these are those who hear, but as, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. This third type of soil represents those that hear the words, but they're so preoccupied with life, with the busyness of their life, that unfortunately does not bear fruit. Just like the shallow heart, these people receive it, but they rather feel the comfort, the pleasures of life than being in his word continuously. And it's a shame. And I'll be honest, I see this type of heart in churches that you can do, that we can do so much more but we're just so enamored with the busyness of this world. And Jesus says this, Matthew 6, you cannot, cannot serve two masters. He goes on in Matthew 6, 21, and look what he says. For where your treasure is, there your what is also? Your heart. I think this heart represents those that look at their schedule and say, well, what do I got this weekend? Ah, I'm going to go to the ranch. I've got a basketball tournament with my kids. I've got this. Nothing wrong with that. But what we do is we don't put God first. We don't put coming to church first. If there's nothing else to do, hmm, I'll go. I believe this is what this heart represents. This is the heart that represents small group during a week. I'm busy, man. I ain't got no time for that. I already went to church on Sunday. You want more from me? Mm -mm. So what happens? There's no fruit. I believe this is a type of heart that as soon as someone wakes up, gets their phone, Facebook, social media. They know everything that's going on around the world, but not one minute do they spend on the word. They prioritize things. Those things are important, but it's not the most important if we want to see real fruit, we need to prioritize the fruit maker. This is a type of heart that Jesus is talking about. I believe, again, this is the most common, common heart there is. Because of our busyness in life, we buck and don't prioritize God. And then lastly, Jesus talks about the fruitful heart. And he says this in verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it, it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the heart that was ready, that the Holy Spirit had moved in them, was ready to receive the good news. This is a type of heart 
that produces a joyful sower that goes out and proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the type of heart that we all should have. Because church, you and I are called to sow, to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Just this week, I met with a good friend of mine. And I think he's fully understand, his heart has changed. He's fully understand, understood the gospel. And boy, he's on fire. And everyone who meets up with him or we mention about him, yeah, man, he's on fire. He shares, he invites, he's doing all these things. But he told me, as he wanted to meet with me this week, he sat down and said, Pastor, why do people lose their fire? How come everybody's telling me, don't lose that fire, man. Keep it going. He says, I'm in a small group with older, more mature Christians. And they tell me, oh, I remember when I was on fire. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened? Why did they lose their fire? Why can't they continue to have that fire of sowing the seed? And I told him, good question. So I thought about it for a little bit. And as I prepared for this sermon, I want to share with you some of the things I believe white people, they shouldn't, but white people lose the fire. White people stop sharing the good news. White people stop inviting. White people just stop talking about God. And here's three reasons why I believe this is so. First of all, I believe a lot of us feel, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't want to share something that's not true. I'll let the pastors or someone who's more mature in that do that. Remember, there was nothing special about the sower. He was just going out there and sowing. There doesn't need to be anything special about you. Just share what you know. Share what you received. That's it. Another thing I believe, people, why they lose their fires, like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. What are they going to say? Jesus says, they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Let's not use that excuse to lose the fire. And I believe the most common reason why some of us lose the fire is that we don't see the results. We don't see the fruit. You share the gospel. Did you receive? You're ready with a bucket of water. Let me baptize you, man. Let's get it on. But church, you and I don't do anything. You and I don't save a single soul. It's all about Him. When the Holy Spirit prepares a heart, the moment we share, whatever we share, Boom, it will produce fruit. Not because of you, not because of me. It's all because of him. Let's not lose that fire. And let me ask you, if you have, why? We are called to sow. Let's keep on sowing. I love, love, love this about this church, my Grace family. I love in between services, people coming up to me and say, Pastor, I invited so-and-so. This is my mom. This is my daughter. This is my friend. Yes keep doing that. There's a seat prepared just for them so that the Holy Spirit can move in their hearts so the seed that you and I sowed could produce fruit when God says they will produce fruit. Here's my application and my sermon point for you guys this morning. Remember this. I do my part. God takes care of the heart. Our part is to sow. God's part is to remove the heart of stone. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 through 7. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who 
waters is anything. You and I, nothing. Nada. Silch. Simple, obedient sower. But only God who gives the growth. It's Him. Let's not forget that. It's Him. Church, let's, let's be a church, as Paul says, not to be ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, has the power to save. Imagine, imagine our Grace family who was not ashamed of the gospel. And every opportunity we'd go out there and share, every opportunity we'd say, hey, do you belong to a church? Every opportunity, all we need to do is say, come and see. Imagine this. Sometimes I think about this. I think Max Lucado said this. What if one day you see Jesus Christ? You will. Hopefully you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And he says, well done. Well done. You did your part. All you needed to do was share the good news, the gospel. Well done. And because you did your part, would you like to meet somebody that you took part in that? You don't know the outcome, the fruit of our seed planting. He does. Let's trust in Him and let's be a church that keeps on inviting and sharing the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks for who you are and continue to be in our lives. And my prayer is, and I know it's your will, for us to keep on sharing to use the talents you've given us, for us not to be just consumers and kicking back, for us to be great commissioners of your word, to share, to invite, to demonstrate, to live your word, Father. Father, I can only imagine if we keep on inviting and sharing the good news, never losing our fire, how we'll fill up the new building, how we'll fill up this building and other buildings to come for your purpose and your glory, Father. That's the church we want to be. That's the church we're going to be. Being led by your Holy Spirit and being obedient and faithful to your word. And I pray all these things in the name that saves your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you guys. Let's go. So, God bless you.